How you doing, people? You just made my day. Hey folks, this is Made My Day, episode 34, brought to you the week of February 7, 2016. I'm your host, my name is James Kennison, and welcome to Made My Day, the show that uh, celebrates the little tiny wonderful things in life, and uh, I'm glad you're here with us today. In case you don't know, MMD, Made My Day is all about finding at least one thing in every single day that makes that life, that day worthwhile. Because if you have ever suffered with depression, anxiety, uh, uh, any kind of loss, any kind of suffering, sometimes you know that it's hard to find those things in those days. So that's what I do. Every day I try to find at least one thing, no matter how insignificant it might seem, uh, that made that day absolutely worth getting up for. I hope you'll do the same um, or that you'll share your MMD moments. You can send those to MMDcast at gmail.com. All right, let's get started. Uh, Sunday. Sunday. Hey, guess what? I moved um, from Florida all the way here to St. Louis uh, City, South City, St. Louis. And I did that to be a part of a group of people that are, um, I guess you would call a church, but in the sense that they are a group of people who share like faith and who want to be a family to each other. Um, but we do not have a building. We do not have ushers or greeters or a worship team or anything like that. Just, just a pastor and a bunch of people that are helping him out. And, uh, so I was at this place that actually meets in my friend, uh, Paul's house on Sunday nights. And, um, I will lay it out. I am, I am so still so injured and so hurt by all the crap that I went through um, after I revealed my my depression to my last job, which was as a pastor, um, that I still have a, a weird place in my head and my heart about church, even if it's not as traditional or, or not traditional at all. And so typically in these services, as we ask questions about who God is, you know, why he cares, what he, what he's created, you know, where, what are his plans for our life? I get kind of cold and distant and I don't communicate. I don't answer the questions. Um, I'm kind of maybe even angry or bitter. All these things I know (laughs) from years and years of church are horrible things for Christians to be, but you know what? That's where I'm at. But the one thing about Sunday night was, I I don't know what made it unique or different or special. Maybe they just asked the right questions. But they asked something about how are you pursuing God, I guess, right now. And that is the question that is always asked, I think, without even saying every single Sunday, no matter what church you go into, they're kind of subtly asking you, what are you doing, my friend? What are you doing to pursue God? Because, and that's a very American 
mindset is what are you doing to improve your relationship with God? It's not his relationship with you. It's your relationship with him. And what are you doing? What are you working on? How are you sweating, stressing, pressing, playing, reading, prostrating, all of those things? What are you doing to improve your relationship with God? Because it's all about you. Well, I guess you could tell I've kind of grown ill of all of that. And I said something that not, I would say, probably 10% of the world would agree with. And I just said, guess what? I, I mean, not in so many words, but I am. I spent my life trying to find out what God wanted and pursuing him and doing ministry um, for you know nearly 13 years straight. And right now, I'm I'm not. I'm not pursuing. I'm I'm sitting over in a corner, so to speak, and I'm wanting to see if uh, if he ever comes looking for me. And I think I've shared on this show how in my most desperate time when I was when I was suffering the most in my anxiety and depression, um, when it physically hurt to be alive, um, and mentally and every other way. Um, I found that I couldn't, it wasn't that I let God go as much as I just couldn't handle the idea of anything else, like letting one more person down. And so I kind of had to just trust that when I let go of God or forgot about him or just let him simmer, whatever the right terminology would be, that, that things would be okay. You know, kind of like on a park bench when you're talking to a close friend and your kid needs your attention and you don't say anything to the friend. You just go get your kid and deal with that for a while. Come back, sit down and pick up where you left off. I was hoping that my relationship with God was at least strong enough to handle something as basic as that. But what I found was when I let go, the most amazing thing happened is that God did not let go of me. And... Some things have changed, you know, things have, have progressed and, and I I believe in God Christ. I know that I can look at Christ and in everything that he did, I can see what God wanted for me. I can see that. I can see the love that God gave us through his son Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world. He loved the world so much that he what? He gave. He gave. What did he give? His only son, his one and only son, the one thing that he had the thing that he couldn't reproduce, the thing that he couldn't create, the thing uh, that he had to give that, that that raised the value of what he was paying for. Uh, what do I mean by that? Well, he could have sent an angel and it probably would have done the same thing, but he was raising the value back up to where it was when he created us in the first place. Is he... Because because how do you... How, do you can, how can you tell how much some, something is worth... Well, when it's at auction or something like that, you can tell how much it's worth by how much somebody is willing to pay for it. And you can argue that they paid too much. You can argue a hundred things, but you cannot argue the value of that thing after it has been purchased. And God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay the, the sin price for us. And that shows his value to us. I know our, our, his value to him, our value to him. And I know all that. And I understand all that. And I, and I, I live that, not necessarily feel that right now. Um, but I was able, the, the whole point is not really even about arguing about the theology of my statement um, because I, I know I'm hurt and I know that 
I'm still doing what God wants me to do. I did follow him here to St. Louis, you know. Um, I'm, I looked around my spiritual world around me and I said, where is God moving? I'm going there to meet him there and be there with him. And, and so I'm, I don't know, like a kid, a teenager who huffs and puffs around the house, but still does the chores you told him to do. You'd kind of don't care about his attitude as long as he gets it done. That's kind of where I imagine we're at right now. But I'm not even talking about that so much. What I want to talk about, the thing that made my day was not spilling my guts, but was being able to do it. And and I looked around. I mean, I kind of I kind of looked around. I looked at the floor mostly because when you say something like that, when you admit your faults and your weaknesses, maybe even your sin, um, you don't expect people to nod their heads in agreement. I'm so afraid to say things sometimes. Because there's so many new people, and I mean new to the faith, people that have never been in church other than this one, that have never, they don't know how how sour and bitter and, and stuff that church attendance and church people and church experiences can be. They don't know about pastor worship and, and people judging each other by the kind of Bibles they read and the kind of cars they drive and how, how much business and how much uh, the American dream can infest itself into faith. They don't know any of this stuff. They're so pure. They're so small, so innocent. And I don't want to say things. If they look at me and say, oh, this guy's been saved since forever. And if he's struggling, holy crap, what chance do I have? But um, my friend Paul came by a few days later, and we talked for like two and a half, three hours. Um, and he says, no, nah, he says, you don't understand. These people have come from way down here, and now they're up here in the middle. And you came from way up there, and now you're down there in the middle with them. And it just it gives them, um, it gives them hope. It gives them hope when they see somebody they think, has uh, is like the perfect Christian, so to speak. I don't get it. I don't see that. But um, and and you see that they struggle. And I I don't I I understand that to a certain extent. I love imperfect leadership too. I love that when I see somebody that makes mistakes and God still uses them, it gives me hope because I'm like, if God can use them and they're better off than I am, um, then then I I have a chance too. But he says, Paul told me that people were nodding their heads as if they understood. And the guy next to me says, yeah, I feel that too. I feel that too. And I don't know what that says about God and relationships and all that kind of stuff. But one thing I know for sure, and the one thing I, I hope is true, I hope, it's, I hope it's true, is that I am worth coming after. You know, in, in our story, the, um, the prodigal son um, a friend of mine, I mean, Paul wanted me to read this other book, but it's something to the effect of saying that the pro- name in the show, name in the, uh, the, the story, the prodigal son is a, is a poor, a poor, um, it's title because prodigal does not mean what you think it means. It means to aggressively pursue something. And the one person that did that in the, in that family was the father, because the story is not just the story of the son, it's the story of the other son as well. The son that did what he was supposed to do, who stayed right where he was supposed to be and did all the right things. And what did he end up? Bitter, upset, jealous. 
And the one guy that went off and did all his old stuff and terrible things and horrible stuff, and then he comes back and he's embraced. They kill the fatted calf. He is celebrated because what was dead is now alive. What was gone is now here. And But the one person that aggressively pursued was the father because he stayed out there. It's unsaid, but it's kind of understood that because as the prodigal son came, as he saw him, he hadn't even gotten to the father yet. He saw his son. He was obviously watching for him and... You know, I don't know. I don't know how that appeals or how that applies to my situation, but I know this is I'm just, I guess I'm just weak. I'm empty and hollow inside. Um, cause life will do that to you. And, and I've had dark times of the soul where, where things were just dark, you know, horrible, felt hopeless. I ain't got that. No, it's not that. But it is a, it's like a big old question mark in my soul as to where I fit. Am I wanted? Uh, Am I desirable? Am I useful? Do I have value now that I'm not doing ministry full time? Now that I'm not writing and singing songs, I'm not operating puppets. I'm not managing other ministers I'm not podcasting about my experiences as children's pastor. I'm not uh, taking phone calls from other children's pastors who want to know things that I know, that I have completely removed myself from that stuff, and, and not by choice, but by necessity. I know my life's not over yet. I know it's too soon to call it. But when you're in the moment, when you're right there where you are, which is the only place you can be, I don't know. Does it Matt? Does it apply when the Bible says, it, "Don't give any thought for tomorrow"? Tomorrow will take care of itself. Does that apply to everything? Does that apply to everything? Well, if it does, then I'm gonna be all right. But I loved Sunday because I got to spill my guts, and it didn't hurt anybody. And, in, and if anything, according to the reports, it um it helped them. So didn't help me. <laughs> I felt uh, Paul texted me later. He's like, did it feel good saying that? I said, it felt good saying it. It didn't feel good having said it. It's, it's always a risk when you throw yourself out there, when you get real, when you share the darkness and the light and, you know, you're, you're one or two things. You're surrounded by people that are so afraid to be real that they, they, you know, they ignore you as if they don't know what you're talking about and then they shun you or they're so relieved that they can finally let out the stuff in them. And if I got to be that, that's great. I'm, I'm all for it, but it hurts. It hurts. It's scary. So, um, yeah, Sunday being accepted or actually, how about this? No change in my accepted status. So I was already accepted and loved. And the crazy thing about our little group is we're such a family. You can't you can't reject the other person if you wanted to because you're relying on them. You need them. And they need you. It's a good thing. Monday. Um <laughs> I speaking of of relying on other people and stuff like that, um 
I, I think I mentioned it last week. I have a young man that I am picking up from school uh, Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and uh, day off on Friday. But through through the week, he's part of our church. He's he's the son of one of the ladies at our church, and um, she also struggles with uh, especially bipolar and feels and was feeling that her that she was letting her son down. And I kind of just felt through it all and said, "Hey, is this schoolwork related?" She's yeah. I'm like. Well, I would, I'd gladly start tutoring. And that tutoring is now turning a lot more than that. Um, like I said, I pick up my kids and I pick up him and we come back to the house and I work with him for up to an hour and a half, maybe more. And, um, it's, uh, it, it just different things have come up that he needs and requires in order to be a, a better student. And it's more than just tutoring. Um, for instance, uh, sometime last week, we had some extra time. He he didn't have as much homework, and he had been asking me, what are we going to do if I don't ever have homework? And I'm like, I, I didn't know, but I figured it out now. And so now he's all about homework, and that is we read. We're reading, and we're reading Harry Potter because Harry Potter is one of the greatest books ever written for, for young adult audiences. It is creative. It is fantastically fun. It is very creative. Did I say that already? And um, if there's a big, thick, novel-sized book that a guy's got to read, um, it, it should be it should be this one. Um, and so it just hit me. We need to read. And he struggles. He struggles through the words. He, he doesn't know them all. He reads mon- monotone like a robot sometimes. Uh, he doesn't pause as at his periods. And I realize... He knows how to read. He just doesn't know how to read well. And above that, he doesn't enjoy it. He sees it as a chore. Something my daughter told me in relation to this. She says, I'm so glad you read that book to me when I was young. And she has since read it herself. And she's on the third book now or fourth or something like that. Um, But she says, Dad, if I had never enjoyed that book with you reading it to me, I would have just looked at the size of the letters in the book, how small they were and how much words there were, I guess is the translation. And I would have seen how thick the book was. And I would have said, no way I am never reading that. And we talked about it a bit more. And what we came to the conclusion was that you realize once you realize how awesome books are, sometimes the thicker books are the ones that you want to be thicker and never to stop. And you're sad kind of when they're over because you, you're just so involved in this whole thing. And um, this young man does not know that. He has never experienced it. He has probably never done any reading other than what he's been required to do, and probably not even all of that. So the idea of enjoying reading, to read for fun, um, is not something he knows. So we read every day, and he hates it. (laughs) He hates it. He wants homework to last longer. He wants to bring home extra stuff so he doesn't have to read. But... um, we, we sit down afterwards and we read 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and uh, he's getting better. Within three days, he was reading better already. Um, sometimes he wants to go fast. I think it's in his head that if he reads really fast, that it'll be over sooner. And I'm like, dude, you end up reading more when you read fast. If I were you, I'd read really slow and intentional, and, uh, and then you end up reading less pages. <laughs> I don't know if he got it or not, but... Um, Anyway, I, I say all that um, to say as, as, as we've hung out, more things have been added 
than just helping him with his English, his grammar, his uh, math. It's been this reading thing because, you know, if if we could get him reading better, I told him readings in every other subject, history, math, everything, the directions are written and they're, and they're hard to understand if you don't know how to read well, if you can't comprehend, if you're mispronouncing words, you don't get what it's saying. So, I, you know, me, if I had to quit everything now, it would be everything but reading. So that's really awesome. But then there's this thing. I don't know. He was just kind of saying it because I give him snack with my kids every, every day when he comes home and a drink, you know. But I, I think he saw the kids' lunches and he just kind of, he, no, he was talking about money because I've done two things uh, since, since uh, the last time I've talked to you guys about him. One of them, I figured out a way to motivate him. I was talking to his mom. She says, I gave him, I used to give him 20 bucks a week and he'd spend it all on food like instantly. And she said, it just made me upset. I couldn't control it. I said, well, it sounds crazy, but maybe we're just doing too much. Let me have this. Let me give him an allowance. I'll do the same thing I do for my kids, five bucks a week. And I said, because he needs something he's got to earn. And he's got to earn it week to week. And he's got to save up week to week before he gets any amount of money that's worth spending on anything anyway. So we'll just raise the value of what we're giving him by giving him less. You understand that? So um, that's what we've been doing. Every, and it's working. It's worked immediately. I mean, if there's any kind of foot dragging or attitude or anything. And he's, he's a good guy. He listens. He, he understands. He, he, um, he obeys. He's respectful. But his best effort is not always the thing that I get. And so with this this giving him a dollar a day thing, you'd think he'd laugh at that. But I told him, I said, I know that sounds like a small amount maybe, but it's free money. So, you know, and I've had to, I've had to use it in, in regard to the reading thing. And then uh, the attitude about reading changes drastically. So that's the first thing I did. But I, when he was talking about his money and his mom had said about food, I found out that where he was spending it was at school because he could get a drink for a dollar and chips for a dollar. And I kind of put two and two together, thought about my own uh, young youngsterhood and realized homeboys spending a two bucks on, instead of on a decent meal, he's buying chips and a drink and he's sponging off other kids. So I put two and two together and I started making him a lunch. I make my kids lunch. I made him a lunch. I surprised him with it on, on, on a particular day. And he genuinely, cause he always kind of jokes around about things when he feels a little silly and that's what guys do. But this one, he was like, for real, for real. I'm like, yeah, that's yours. It's your lunchbox. That's your, it's your stuff. You know, he's like, wow. Okay. Thank you. And, and then he thanked me again. And then on the way out of his, out of the car to his house. He's like, put that in the fridge. And he's like, okay, thank you for this. Thank you. And he was very serious. And my, my daughter has even uh, noticed how, how much that meant to him. And um, so then I was just awesome in her eyes too. <laughs> so what I've realized, I've told you all that to say what the real thing was on Monday was realizing that I have a ward, you know, like, like in Batman, because Batman, you know, he he had he was uh, what's his name, <laughs> Bruce Wayne from the nineteen sixty nine version, uh, and then his young ward, what Dick Grayson. I looked up ward to make sure it made sense, and yeah, it, it's like a someone who has been tasked with taking care of someone, usually by their parents or the courts, 
and uh, I told the mo- I told uh, his mom that I had adopted him, but um, I like Ward. I'm his Ward now. I I've taken it on. It is a it's a serious thing to me. I've taken him on as if he was one of my own kids. I don't like where he goes to school. I don't like his teacher. I don't like the way his papers are graded. He got an F the other day in, in music just because the teacher didn't like that the entire class didn't know the song from last year. And so every single one of them get an F. What? You, I'm going up there next week and I'm going to find out what the heck's going on up there. Um, I, in my opinion, you don't, you don't give grades, especially failing grades on a whim and on a feeling and on an attitude. So no, I'm going to go up there. I've actually even had my name attached to his, uh, documents and things as a, as a person, a guardian, uh, that, that has the ability to go in there and find out what's going on. So, um, you know, that's what I mean when I said last time about family is you can't disres- you can't throw out the guy that's helping your kid <laughs> in school no more than I can throw out the family that I'm helping in school. You see what I'm saying? This is the way church was supposed to be, depending on each other, sharing um one you know, one with another. I'm not saying we're perfect, um, but I'm saying I'm very excited that we're we're closer than we were. So um, his reaction to lunch, my daughter's reaction to his reaction, um, all these things are very, very good. And it's been, I think, three weeks, two weeks, three weeks, three weeks now. And I found out that, yeah, about this thing with the music class. And I'm going to find out how much he really did do if he had some behavior problems. And we're going to deal with that, too, because I have a ward. And I care about him. I have a vision for his future. I want him, his future to be different because of his interaction with me and my family. And um, that's not, I don't think that's out of line to say that. Uh, To not have a vision, to not have uh, something that we want for him, um, a better life at the end of all this, you know, why even bother? But um, it's good stuff. All right, Tuesday. Um, Tuesday night, I record that story show. That story show is a great show. If you haven't listened to it, please go over there and do yourself a favor. Uh, that story show.com or look it up in iTunes or in Google play or wherever you're at and, uh, start listening to stuff. But this last one, I think it was episode two fifty three. Let me look it up for sure. Two fifty three. Semblance. Yes. His name is Donovan Atkinson. He is from slant.f. M. Yeah. And, uh, he's a podcaster and I think I mentioned him last week because I was not able to be on his show, but I had booked him on mine and he was able to show up better man than I am. Uh, and, and we had a great time and Donovan being on that show was great. He's a great Southern gentleman. And, uh, he's, he's, he's got a great set of shows himself and it was a good time and a wonderful time and a, and a, and a great time. Um, yeah, I mean, he and I uh, differ on a lot of different things, especially when it comes to faith. Uh, I believe he would call himself a, an atheist, and um, but I think <laughs> I think I'm kind of an enigma to him because most most a- atheists, you know, they think of uh, they think of us, the believers. I say us as if you are, but. Maybe you're not, but 
I, they, they, they look at us as if we're less intelligent and, um, you know, knuckle draggers, mouth breathers. And I am definitely not that I'm not real smart. I'm not the brightest, uh, you know, duck on the pond there, but I'm not an idiot and I am not a blind believer either where I just blindly believe everything. I struggle with everything I believe in. And I think that kind of, uh, is intriguing, <laughs> We don't talk about it much, but there have been times where he said, okay, uh, why do you, why do you, you know, somebody I respect halfway, somebody that thinks halfway intelligent, why do you believe in God? And uh, it was a bad time to ask. I think my reply was uh, through, a, through an audio uh, recording was, um, right now is not a good time to ask because I'm really struggling. And I would say uh, that that is a very good question. Why do I believe in God. I don't know, but I do. And I think that the end result there was because it's all I've got left to hang on to. You know, we sing about stuff like that, you know, um, when you've got nothing else, I don't have any lyrics right now, but when you, you know, you're at the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on, just hang on to Jesus. And we sing it like it's beautiful and wonderful and awesome. But yet the people that are that way, are not attractive, not fun, not cool, and not um, very lovey dubby themselves, and so we kind of push them away. So they're not doing Jesus right. They're not doing Christianity right. But anyway, having Donovan on the show is always fun. He's a great guy, and um, he's got a great things going over there. Check it out at uh, slant.fm. All right, Wednesday, um, I had dinner at Culver's with my kids. And it was it was very simple dinner. Nothing about the dinner was great, except I looked around, and there was all these people in, in dress-up clothes. And Jenna's like, why? Why are all these people all dressed up? And I'm like, Jenna, you know what it is. We don't go out on Wednesday very often. These are these are church people. These are people that are coming back from church or, or going to. And, and it just, you know, you're going to – if you're judging me already, you're going to judge me even more when I said – I flash back to all the times I was doing mission ads and Rangers and all these midweek programs that I would do and Wednesday nights, Wednesday nights, Wednesday nights. And I said, Jenna, you realize most people go Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and pastors, poor things, have to do a Sunday morning sermon, Wednesday night sermon, Sunday night sermon. That's a lot of sermon writing, a lot of speeches, a lot of hours spent. And, uh, hi. All right, so it's been 10 minutes later. My family came home. And I'm not going to rewind and see what I was talking about. I'm just going to say this. It was great realizing I wasn't at church. I wasn't responsible. I didn't have any place to be. I was spending time chilling, talking, hanging out with my kids, and enjoying a butter burger. So it was good stuff. Thursday? I don't remember anything about Thursday. I don't always do <laughs> the MMD thing. It was a decent day, I'm sure. I just don't remember much of it. Um, you know, uh, anything of any kind of, uh, consequence anyway. All right. Friday, I got to do Donovan's show. I got to be on Donovan Atkinson's show. It's called tech slant. And it was with a couple other folks, his son and a gentleman that I can't remember his name right now, but he was, he was really cool. And, uh, we got to do that. It's at slant.fm. If you want to check it out and, uh, it was a lot of fun. We, we basically took a few hot topics that, that are in the tech world and we discussed them and gave our opinions on them. It was a lot of fun. 
And uh, the only problem was is they record at 7.30 Eastern time, and that makes it 6.30 um, uh, Central time for me. And my wife wasn't home yet from work, and the kids were still around, and, and it's just I usually record after 9.30, so that's, you know, because their bedtime's at 9. But it was still fun. It still worked out. still went great. Last and not least was to, today, yesterday, Saturday. Um, we were at Target, and uh, I had just dropped my son off at, at, a, at a skate party. So me and my daughter decided to get some things done. We went to Home Depot. We went to Target. We went, well, second time to Target, because we went to Target before the party, like you do, to get a gift, you know, at the last possible minute, because you forgot. And then we went, took him, and then we came back, and we, we went through my list of things. And uh, we're putting things in the cart, and Jenna's real helpful. She's grabbing stuff off there, grabbing the bags, the whole thing. But then um, there's this big, uh, uh, you know, what is it, 24-pack of, of water that is placed there. And she quickly grabs those, and the lady behind us says, Oh, no, honey, those are mine. <laughs> And Jenna's very embarrassed. She puts it back really quick and kind of just walks away. <laughs> and I was like, she was going to take it to your car if you wanted her to. Uh, but uh, Jenna's like, oh, I felt so stupid. I'm like, no, no, you're awesome. You're a helper. You you know, that's not like we don't buy that exact kind of water every time we come here. Like, that's what I thought. So that made my day on Saturday. So guys, that finishes it up uh, for us here. A little bit of a shorter show. We, we're not afraid of that. I think it's fun. So uh, if you have any MMD moments that you'd like read at this part of the show, please send them in. MMDcast at gmail.com. And I will see you guys next time right here on uh, Made My Day. Made My Day.